0: Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name's Dan Hasler from Cut Through Coaching, and before we start today's episode, I'd just like to let you know that enrolments for the 2022 Habits of Leadership Academy are now open. Every month in the Academy, we get together in small cohorts of around about 12 leaders to explore the theories and the ideas which come up on the podcast, as well as the opportunities and challenges that you're dealing with in your day-to-day leadership. Places are strictly limited. So if you're interested in learning more about the Academy, then head over to habitsofleadership.com and click on the Academy page there. We would love to welcome you into next year's cohort. Now, today I am joined by Jackie Stavros and Sherry Torres. Together they've authored the book Conversations Worth Having. And what I love about this book is that it ties together so many of the themes that we've explored on the Habits of Leadership podcast, but specifically they dive into the uh, value and the impact that appreciative inquiry can have. Appreciative inquiry is a, an approach to address change in which we focus on identifying what's working and, and building on that rather than just trying to fix what's broken. And what I'm hoping to get into here is how we can apply that not only for change initiatives at work or in big organizations, but how we can also start affecting change in our personal or one-to-one conversations as well. So Jackie and Cherie, thank you so much for joining us. It's
0: a pleasure. Yes, thank you for having us. Um,
1: so this is what I'm always interested in when I see um, books around conversations and books around how to connect with people given that most of us you know all all things being equal all things being well have been speaking since we're uh, let's say two two and a half three we start speaking why is it so many adults can't talk to each other and can't speak. Well, what, you know? I guess really, what I'm saying is, why is there the need for your kind of work? What do you, What do you see in in the world? What do you see in teams, workplaces that says, you know what? We should actually talk a little bit about the talking here and 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 support people in that work.
2: So I would say that the the reason is that because we spend our lives talking all the time either in our heads or with each other, it becomes kind of like the water that fish swim in. It's always going on and uh, we're not really conscious of it. And so when we're not conscious of it, there are a lot of unconscious drivers, our bias, our worldview, our assumptions, the fact that we're really hungry, we didn't sleep well last night, we have an expectation Um, We assume we should focus on something in particular. And unless we stop and be conscious of what's driving our conversations, and what do we actually want this conversation to achieve? What do I want to do with my words? um, We're not at all in charge of those conversations.
0: I'd like to add what Sherry says. You talked about two- and three-year-olds. I think two- and three-year-olds have curiosity. And they don't have all those biases that Sherry mentioned. And if the heart of how you interact with yourself and others is through your words and conversations, that you need to actually read a book like this to really realize how every single conversation impacts yourself and others. And that you need to get into the driver's seat and make sure their conversations worth having.
1: And, and uh, it's interesting, I think when you say you know we've got to think about the conversations that w- that we need to have because I'll often be working with people and they they are thinking a lot about those conversations they're, th- they're overthinking yeah. those conversations or their their focus is you know perhaps I don't know foc- it, you know it, it's aimed at either winning the conversation, proving a point or mm-hmm. you know uh, putting someone in their place and and I'm, I guess I'm interested to hear how do we help leaders have conversations worth having you know the name of the name of the book how, how do we help them have conversations worth having rather than conversations that they end up having to have over and over and over again in varying degrees of um, aggressive states
0: <laughs> i think if you um if you think about the subtitle of the book is um using appreciative inquiry to feel productivity and engagement Every leader wants productivity and engagement and how we begin to help the leaders is um, you mentioned debate and we talk about um, debate. There's debate, discussion and dialogue. And when you and I are in a debate, I'm thinking about my next point. I'm probably not really listening to you. And when we're in a discussion, we're trying to arrive at some agreement. And sometimes you need what we call dialogue where I am listening to you and what you're saying, as well as you are listening to me, and that we have various perspectives. And when we listen, and we talk with each other, and not past or at each other, and you learn to ask questions, because I lean in, and I'm really curious, that we can move it forward. If I could add to that,
2: in, in our book, Conversations Worth Having, we have a two-by-two kind of grid about the nature of our conversations. And if you imagine a line across a page and above the line, you have appreciative conversations. And those are conversations that add value and they can be statement-based, they can be inquiry-based, but the conversation is adding value. And below the line, the conversation is critical or it's destructive, it's it's devaluing people and situations. And very often because of that, those unconscious drivers, we tend to operate below the line, um, either focusing on a problem or putting out fires or looking for what's wrong, scanning for what's not working, which puts us below the line. So our conversations tend to, to, to be below the line. Um, and those are less productive. They make people defensive. They're full of judgment and blame, et cetera. It really takes a concerted effort on a leader's part to stop, to pause, take a deep breath, and just get curious about where am I? Am I below the line? And if I am, how do I how do I turn that around? Because I need to be able to use my full thinking capacity, creativity, connect with the people I'm trying to talk with, and and speak in ways that help them them reciprocate. Connect with me and um, be creative. Be able to think creatively and
1: critically. I think one of the um, one of the most common things I hear if I'm working with with, with a leader is, and, and particularly if, if there's there's issues or there's drama of wh- whatever nature, uh, sooner or later they'll look at me and they'll say, "But Dan, why don't they just do their job? You know, why why can't why don't they just do their job?" And one of the um, observations or reflections I I, I share back is this idea of saying why don't we just ask that question well one let's get rid of the word just why but why don't they do their job (laughs) right and and it's like the intonation uh, for me is 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 one way of challenging the mindset Mm -hmm. of of that leader because you use the words there you know like judgment blame going below that line Um, and one of our throwaway instagram (laughs) Type quotes is you know you can't lead from below the line, <laughs> okay. but I'm wondering, I'm wondering what kind of hacks or tips or or cues, triggers, whatever you might. But if, if if there's a leader driving to work or, or or about to get on a Zoom call with with someone who they're look they're frustrated with, they're challenged by. Um, Quite frankly, it would be easier if they didn't have to meet with them today. You know, That would make their day better. <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of cue or tip or hack or thought process could you suggest to them that might you know, open the door to a, a better conversation, a conversation that might be worth having for them?
0: You know, I hear when you say the word, but, it puts us in a protective zone. Like, in, imagine if you said, and how do they do their jobs? Because we're assuming when you say, but the leaders are having a conversation, they're not doing their jobs. How do you know that they're not? Maybe they think they are and maybe they're not doing the job that you may want. So generative questions would say, um, tell me more about what your job is. What do you like about your job? What else? And so now you're opening up the conversation, not starting from they're not doing their jobs. What do they think their job is? What are they doing? And what do we need them to do more of? And that's where generative questions. Uh, but would get them pushing in that direction.
2: I think also in, in, just in response to that question about they're driving to work or they're getting ready to get on the Zoom call, um, that piece that I, I mentioned about pause, take a deep breath, get curious, um, we call that tuning in. Um, and it's that taking that moment, especially when you feel like all your energy starting to get up here and you're ready to attack, just pause. And taking, that, taking a deep breath or taking a couple of deep breaths, as I'm sure you and your listeners probably know, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system, calms you down. It actually literally broadens your vision so you are able to take more in. And then if you just get curious about not only where am I, but as Jackie said, you know, I wonder, I wonder what they think their job is. Um, do they have all the information? Have I made myself clear? Did they get properly onboarded? They're, all of a sudden, once you're down at your you know, center of gravity drops and you're not like way up here, um, you can open up to realize, huh, I might be part of the problem here. <laughs> you know, did, I, did I give them enough information up front for them to know what they're supposed to do?
1: And, and invariably, I don't think it's flippant to say that invariably you probably are contributing in mm-hmm. some way. Maybe not in a massive way, but you probably are. If there is a drama at work or a drama in a team dynamic, yeah. you probably are contributing in some way. And and uh, being open to that can yeah. be challenging for some, oh, <laughs> obviously. It, it would just be easier if they could just sort their stuff out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, that would be easier. Um, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of... Uh, and you use the phrase there that you talk about in your book, tuning in. Yep. Um, because I, I, I also get the sense that sometimes people just bounce through the day. As, and, uh, you know, putting out fires, responding to this issue, getting on this, answering some emails that's just come up, dealing with this problem. Talk to me about the importance of and, and what it is actually when you talk about tuning in. Because it's probably one of those phrases that people have heard of. They've got their own understanding of it. But when you talk about tuning in, you mentioned the, the breathing. Mm-hmm. But what, what else are we doing in preparation for this conversation rather than just bouncing?
2: Right. And I, I think the, um, the technique we recommend is really simple. It's pause. Take a deep breath and get curious start with the questions for your about yourself you know it could be as simple as am i approachable does this employee have lots of questions and you know if i'm all the always up here i i'd be afraid to come ask me a question (laughs) so maybe just something as simple as that Um, and then, and then from that place of curiosity, I can be far more intentional with um, how do I use a positive frame for this conversation? How do I, how do I have? What do I want for, from the employee? What do I imagine they want? What could I ask them to find out? If the, if they felt like they were really competent at their job, what else would they have um, that maybe is missing? Uh, and so how do, I, how do I frame the conversation in a way that we move towards what I want and that I invite those other people into the conversation through generative questions so that we are together moving towards what, what we want.
0: And, and Dan, you mentioned dealing with athletes. Um, I'll tell you just a really quick example of what Sherry is saying. Um, and I shared this story with her actually the other day a lacrosse assistant coach came in here and she was really upset with the ladies, how bad they were doing everything they did wrong. They're, they're supposed to go to a tournament. And I said, Shannon, I said, just pause. And then I told her to take a deep breath. She needed about three of them. And then I said, let's get curious. And I said, what was the score of the game? She said, it was four to two. And I said, so you got two points. Let's talk about how you, the strengths, how did you get those two points? And she became all animated, what they were doing right and where they were going. And I said, tell me how the team that won, how did they get the two more points? And we talked about that. And I said, what else is possible with these ladies? And we talked about that. And then she laughed. And about three days later, the coach called me. And she said, the lacrosse women's team is on fire. What is it that happened? And I said, Shannon and I had a conversation about what they were doing right because it wasn't that they had zero points; they had two points. What the other team did right, and what they thought was even possible, and they began imagining themselves at the playoffs, and and they were off in, in lacrosse scene again.
1: I mean, when I hear you speak, I, I you know, we 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 use the uh, appreciative inquiry uh, model, or as you guys call it, priest appreciative, appreciative inquiry. <laughs> uh, but um, but you know, we we use that um, a lot. And I can hear elements of that just in that one conversation. So it doesn't have to be a whole corporate retreat where we're going to do this. It can happen in, in in a moment. But I also want to sort of also quell perhaps some concerns where people might start thinking, oh, you know, Jackie's just talking about if you can dream it and believe it, <laughs> then you'll achieve it. But it's, you know, and, and I know you're not saying that, you know, but... but I think so often, so often, I mean, the lacrosse coach there is a perfect example, come to you in a deficit mindset, there's a problem here, yeah. we need to fix this, That you know, I don't know what we're going to do, and yet the way you flip it around is saying, well, hang on, obviously there are things we probably want to do, but let's start from a position of strength. Ooh and what i would love it if if you could because i know your you know your experience of working in the priest inquiry is see saying it properly now um, <laughs> is so is is far greater far greater than mine i'd love it if you could just spend a little bit of time um, just exploring the concepts of a priest of inquiry because it's 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 a phrase actually i'm thinking now of past episodes where i've just kind of thrown it out with this assumption that people listening go, oh yeah, breach of inquiry, I know all about that. And they probably aren't that aware of it necessarily. So could we just spend a little bit of time talking about the, the, the genesis of that with David's work and, and, and then of course your subsequent uh, building on, on top of that?
0: Sure, um, let me let me give you a little history lesson. I'll put the professor on and then Sherry, yep. I'm gonna throw it to her because I, I'm thinking of the Alicia story, we have, you know, work-related stories so appreciative inquiry started in 1985 as a qualitative research technique it was just a way of asking questions that um, they called it back then unconditional positive questions and over time it was changed to generative questions and so that's how it started as a qualitative research technique and maybe your listeners are familiar with the appreciative inquiry 5D cycle. It's called Discovery, Dream, Design, Destiny. And a lot of people would use that to have summits and bring, you know, you can read, you could Google Appreciative Inquiry. You'll end up at the Appreciative Inquiry Commons and you'll see organizations all over the world using it. Um, Our goal was how do we get it into everyday leadership, everyday management, and in working with your everyday problems? And We've learned that there's two practices. The one is generative questions and positive framing. And this might be a good time. Sherry, I'm going to kind of flip it over to you where we could perhaps share the Alicia story with the positive framing and the generative questions. Sure. Um, it is it is
2: the story of Alicia Patel, who's a VP
0: at a, a hospital
2: that's been growing significantly over a period of time, and um, and that's put a lot of stress on the nursing staff, administration staff, and patient satisfaction is declining. And if you if you think about what's going on in the neuroscience, um, uh, from the neuroscience perspective of what's going on in the brain, everybody's now going below the line. Alicia's, the statistics are dropping, so she's fearful. She's yelling at the nurses, what are you doing, why aren't you? <laughs> and they're getting defensive. Um, and this goes on for quite a while, uh, and she uh, almost by accident lands on a, a site on the, on the web of an appreciative inquiry training that's being done specifically for hospitals. So she signs up, and of course, at first day, realize, oh my goodness, I've been part of the problem. I'm coming from below the line. I'm, um, I'm blaming, I'm attacking. And I'm aiming it at people rather than looking at, you know, what are the systems? What are we doing well? Not, it's not a 100% dissatisfaction, just like Jackie just described. And when she came back and said to the nursing staff, apologies for the way I've been um, this week. All I want you to do is to observe and find out what are nurses doing? What are patients commenting on that tells us? they're satisfied. And of course it changed the entire um, energy. The the ideas started to flow, new information, um, people shared stories, and within one quarter, patient satisfaction went back up. And and I think that when you look at um, appreciative inquiry, the kind of the, Historically, the key, um, I think the key piece to for people to understand what appreciative inquiry is, is looking at the principles of appreciative inquiry. And those came out of David Cooper Writer's dissertation and his research on positive image, positive action, and this notion that we we co-create our social systems together through our conversations. And if we don't like what we're getting, We just have to change our conversations. And um, we know that change happens the moment we ask the question. So if we ask a deficit-based question, we're going to move in that direction. If we ask an appreciative question, a question that adds value, we're going to move in that direction. And that we move in the direction of our expectations and and what we're focusing on. And just those those taken together, Kind of the bottom line is, given that that's in uh, that's in operation, then we should be asking generative questions and using positive framing. So we're going where we want to go, and we're asking questions that help widen the window and give us a greater perspective on how we might get there.
1: Again, just to draw out the the um, the five D. So the first the D is the the first one is defining the. Um, the, the, the issue, yeah, and and I wonder uh, whether people even spend that much time doing that normally. You know, if they're not deliberate about using this technique, because often it's easier just to, I guess, blame or, or point frustrations at a person. They're they're in front of me. It, that's the issue. They're the issue. And then we talk about um, the, the discover piece, which is what you're talking about. Let's so for example. And, and uh, again, I love the notion of we can just do this in a, a split second conversation with a lacrosse coach. Well, what, what are you doing well? Then but this is the bit where I get uh, um, I, I see interesting bits start to take place because, yeah, people are happy. Let's talk about the let's really define what it is working on. Let's talk about peak experiences when we're really, you know, at our best, when we're thriving. That's fantastic. But there. Uh, you know, that's typically more the exception than the norm, Dan. And then then we might throw something to them and we'll say, okay, but what What if, right? You know, it, it complete the, you know, any kind of provocation, but, you know, complete the sentence, wouldn't it be great if, or you've got three wishes, whatever. <laughs> this is where we start getting the yeah, but. And, and I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah, but Dan, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering, as, as two people who have spent, you know, a long time exploring this, I'm working with people, in all manner of... Um, uh, Circumstances when somebody goes, yeah, that'd be lovely, damn. But you know, and so you've done all the work, you know. And they get to the bit where we go, we this is what we want. But then all the barriers start coming up in that design phase, and they can't get past that because that's when they'll start telling me, you know, oh, you know, this is this is real, this is reality. This, what are some nice little pivots? What are some nice generative questions that when someone presents, I'll give you, I'll give you an example, right? Um, so we we'll, we might do a lot of stuff in um, uh, in schools, and a lot of the time um, that so we'll define the issue. You know, it's student engagement for argument's sake, and they've got great examples of when they're at the best. And it'd be great if we could do this. Yeah, we could do this. Da, da, da. And then there's a yeah, but you know, we'll never get the parents on board, you know, or the system. I mean, I'm sure you know in America you've got quite a, a high stakes approach in in many jurisdictions. You know, how, so yeah, how uh, let's let's. Role play You know how? How might you, in, a, in an educational jurisdiction, when it's high stakes testing, it's this mm-hmm. and the other, and they've said all this around, you know, authentic learning, student engagement, whatever it might be, but then they they throw back to you, yeah, but Jackie, Sherry, you don't understand. It's the system. You know how? Because that is a quite a big roadblock. What? Do you, how do you help them navigate big roadblocks like that?
2: I would start out by um, asking pretty specifically what is it about the system? Is it the policies? Is it the procedures? Is it our processes? Is it, you know, what what are the, what are those parts of the system that are in our way? Um, And can we inquire into that? Let's go look at, you know, we created that as people, we put that system into play. Um, What were the benefits of it? And how might we change it so we still get those benefits, but we change it in ways that will allow us. Now, you might be, I mean, I run into this all the time. Yeah, but you're talking about government changes in the system. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it, and so then it's a conversation that moves up to the level of talking with, with government representatives. Um, and I, I mean, I, I know in this country, that's a, that is a conversation that's going on because there is so much bureaucracy um, around
0: education. Um, yeah, Dan, if you go back to the defined stage and Sherry just mentioned it, when you're gonna have a conversation, one thing about appreciative inquiry, it asks you to have, are the stakeholders involved who have not only the power, but what about the parents? Are they in the conversation? Where are the kids, are the teachers, are the administrators Is the superintendent, we need to get all the relevant voices into a conversation. And then if we can have questions that are generative in nature and framing, it won't turn into a deficit spiral downwards because we are intentionally, um, let's say it's about how do we communicate better with all the stakeholders in an education system? We could become experts if we wanna talk about how all the ways we don't communicate or we disconnect, Or, but that's just gonna help us be experts that everything is wrong. But if we say we need a robust, connective communication system, among all the stakeholders and we need to design this you need the stakeholders in the room as well and moving in the direction that's saying can we do this and how can we do this
2: and and what's what one tiny step we might take towards that um how can we do it within the confines how can we how can we get the essence of what we want within the confines that we can't change and who who else is doing it let's go find positive deviance
1: and in that defined stage, actually almost setting out the terms of reference. Uh, and, and I'd be curious on your take on this actually, because one of the things we often say is, so of all these barriers that we've put up, we, what don't we have any influence over right now? Right? And, and, and actually that ends up being quite an interesting conversation because we work out we've actually got, as you mentioned there, uh, Sherry, we probably do have a bit more influence than we give ourselves credit for at the outset. You know, um, Because again, I'd argue that's easier. It's easier if we can absolve yes. ourselves of, of influence or responsibility, you know. But once we realise actually we could make a tiny step here. But perhaps there are certain things which actually if we can accept, actually, no, you know what, we can't do much about that. One of the things we then said, So with this precious time that we've got together, let's not we there's no point sitting around mm-hmm. going down that as you say, that spiral here let's focus on what we can at least influence. Yes. As as people who are experts in this, is that, is that a useful frame? Is, is it actually useful not to worry about the things we can't do anything about, or should we be more <laughs> militant, <laughs> should we be more? No, no, <laughs> that's the wrong word, but you know. To <laughs> so what extent should we be making a noise about things we can't control? Um, and to, because as you mentioned there, just like in America, you know, education's quite political here. Yes. It's very political here. Um, it's political all around the world, I guess. To what extent should we be involving ourselves in, in that space versus seeing, okay, well, it is what it is. This is what we can do within our sphere of influence.
0: Can, can we do a both and? <laughs> I, think, I think even having the conversation of what can we control? And we can talk for a moment about what we can't control, but who controls that and how do we get them into the conversation? Um, And that's, and that just comes to my mind is asking this person, but moving forward, as as Sherry said, with the micro decisions and that, that begin to make all that little difference in the system, that it begins to be a healthier system.
2: It it can also, um, by, by working first on what you can influence, you start to build momentum and energy. But then you might also turn to the, who is it that's in charge of of the structures, the things you can't do anything about, and find out from them, not not hammering on them for the changes you want, but again, a generative question, what what information do you need for you to reconsider this, this, and this? Well, we'd need this, this, and if we bring that to you, will you engage in a conversation with us about it? And then go away and bring them the research or bring them the data or whatever it is they said they needed um, and begin the conversation. Um, some people want to work at that level and some people don't. So,
1: Do, do you think partaking in that conversation um, is, because one of the... Um, you know, one of one of your key sort of ideas is that um, all our conversations they influence our well being and our capacity to thrive. So, just the process of engaging in that conversation is better for us, e- even if we don't necessarily get the outcome we're mm-hmm. looking for. Or, 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 or uh, this might be a both and. <laughs> or, or is it? Or do we need to see? Do I guess what I'm saying is, do we need to see an outcome? from those conversations for is it for it to influence our well being and our capacity to thrive. Mm-hmm. Or just the taking part in that conversation is, is, is enough or a start at That's least. That's a really interesting question.
0: Um, I'll I'll use another example because I'm at a university with students and some freshmen, they have this requirement that they must go to the academic achievement center if they're an athlete for X amount of hours and study. Non athletes don't have to go. So they, were, they don't like going there and they're, they I know every reason why they don't. And they came to me and they said, they're too strict. So if you think of our flipping, what's the positive opposite? Well, we want them to be more lenient. And I said, do you really think they're going to be more lenient? I said, what do you guys want to see happen at the Academic Achievement Center that makes it actually fun to go there? And they came up with all these ideas and we wrote them on the whiteboard. And I said, now you need to go have a conversation with the director of the center. And they're like us. And I said, if you if you approach her from appreciative where you value and they value the situation and you ask questions to understand, maybe you'll get some of these wishes. So they went to meet with the, with the lady who runs the center. And Friday night, I was coming out of an event and it, a bunch of athletes came at me and they said, it works. It worked. <laughs> we get to have bottled water in there and study tables are going to be outside when the weather's good and we can take our mask off it really worked, Dr. Stavros. And I was like, but you know, it was just teaching them, name it, flip it, how to frame it and how to have a conversation where you are not putting the director in a protect defensive mode. So now they're really powerful. Um, Who knows what will happen next? But that's an example of watching these young students be empowered Mm -hmm. to change a little bit of the AAC for them.
2: And I, I think also in regards to Dewey, do we have that conversation? Even does it help our well-being? Even if we don't get forward movement out of it, um, and I think that um, if we have that conversation from above the line, where we're asking, um, "What do you need in order to to examine um, or "What do you need? Uh, what, what would what would tell you that?" we need to reconsider whatever this is and if you don't get anywhere if you if you're met with people that they're just not interested in change period or it's too political and they're not going to touch it the reason i think that that supports your well-being is then you can you you know for sure until there's a change in administration There isn't anything you can do about this. So you can let that go and put your energy in what you can do. Otherwise, you just will spin. Um, I think the potential for spinning is there. And who knows, you might get somebody that says, yeah, bring bring us some valid information and we'll reconsider this.
1: Uh, as an aside, uh, and you d- there's no need for comment on this, but as an aside, the uh, the current Minister for Education in Australia has taken to blocking any teacher on Twitter <laughs> who asks them a question. And, and I'm not talking about, just to be clear, I'm not talking about vitri- abuse or trolling, because uh, fair enough, block them. I'm talking about educated professional adults asking respectful questions about education for which this person is the minister. Wow. <laughs> oh my. And, 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 there's, and it's just a block, block. <laughs> block so i mean that in itself is providing obviously frustration but also a little light hearted humor oh, I as well can imagine. <laughs> ends, but it's it's just fascinating i think the um and and i wonder you know obviously in america you've you've had your history with um tweeting politicians <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, you know, and, and how that leads to you know, co- conversations can lead to, as you say, c- coming together and, and and empathy and 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 real uh, collegiality and moving forward together. But also, if they're handled badly, it can lead to the opposite. We could get, get this polarization, and and I don't know if polarization is necessarily the case in in all difficult com you know that w- that phrase difficult conversations. But I'm 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 wondering if we could sort of round out our conversation with when we are, or we certainly feel that we're polar opposites and I, I just don't get you. I, and, and, and I can tell you just don't get me and we are never gonna agree on this. If, let's just play again another hypothetical, if I'm a leader and I have a mindful moment where I go, actually, it's my job to get past <laughs> this. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I can't lead if I feel like this about someone and I would like to do my job well. Um, and I know we're gonna say breathe and be curious, but this is really hard. This is really hard, Sherry, because this person is an idiot. What's what's a way into this? Uh, and I know the breathe, and I know be curious, but we need something. We need something special yeah. here, Sherry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I um, I totally recognize this. Um, I, I I think when when there is no way to to bridge commonality with someone it's a call to bridge our humanity with one another and to just remember that the other person is a human being with their own perspective with their own perception from wherever it comes from however it's influenced and how can we even when we don't agree and we think the other per- person is, a, is an idiot, how can we still um, treat them as a human being um, with a heart and with compassion? Um, and if they're doing a job for us, we may, may not agree with them or find commonality on something, but we might be able to look at their work and have respect for the work that they produce or the strengths they bring specifically to the department or the organization.
0: And, and I would add, um, we talk about in the book, tone and direction. So in my mind, if I think you're totally wrong and I disagree, if I start the conversation off, uh, Dan, I totally disagree with you. You're wrong, this is how it is. I've already put you into that protect mode and we are different. And the importance of, just taking a deep breath. And I just start off with, I hear you, Dan. And I want you to share what I have to say here. And let's talk about this. I've at least hopefully opened your mind to hear me as well as I have just said, I've heard you. And we begin to connect and realize you have a viewpoint. I have a viewpoint. And how is it that we're going to understand each other we don't have to agree, but understand. And then how do we want to best move forward for the people in the system and the issue or the challenge? Because I believe at the end of the day, we may be polar opposites, but as Sherry said, it's the humanity and wanting what's best for, for the people in the system.
2: It, it reminds me of Frank Barrett's example of um, jazz as a metaphor for um, destiny. Um, in the five D's that he said, you know, I have played jazz before and he does improvisational jazz. Um, He said, I've played jazz before with people that I would never associate with on the outside, cannot stand them, but they're great musicians and I respect that. And so being able to find out what is this person's strength and how do I focus on that?
1: I know I said I was going to round out. I want to round out now. <laughs> is, this, is, is, this, is this easier to do in a professional setting than it is around the dinner table? <laughs> ooh <laughs> you know, with, you know what I mean? like with a, I, I'm a I'm a dad of a teenage boy oh, and I thought teenager. I'd him, I thought I'd, I thought I'd figured him out you know when he was 12 I think I, I thought I'd mastered parenting when he was 12 turns out 13 year olds are a little <laughs> bit different you know t- uh, younger daughter you know uh, wife and and but I'm thinking you know family there's there's a lot of conversations that people know they need to have but are hoping not to have them in, you know in, in, in their personal life as well and I'm curious about how taking a appreciative inquiry approach and, and tuning in, objectively speaking, I know you should be able to do it, but I'm wondering is there an added layer of complexity when you bring in the personal nature and, and, and all of that stuff?
0: I, I think your greatest return on investment, if you practice what we're asking you to do here, the two simple practices is that it takes practice, practice practice, your greatest return on investment will be with your children. And if you've already have children or older adults with your grandchildren, um, I think it can be more challenging at home and I find it easier in the workplace because we know how to use this in the workplace and it's not the connection of at home i think it works both sherry
2: yeah i i do think it's harder it's harder with family um because you know they have to love you right (laughs) um and we have patterns familial patterns that that kind of overrun things but that's all the more reason to pause breathe and get curious and we have Many, many stories of people that we've worked with with in our boot camps and some of our trainers who have stories of how they have used this with their teenagers and completely, one conversation has turned around the entire relationship. And it's because they asked questions instead of told. um, And they listened and suddenly saw a part of their child or their teenager that they just hadn't seen before.
0: And, and I have this plant manager who went to a workshop and said, I'm not going to use this stuff in my plant. And I said, well, try it with your kids. He says, I got three teenagers. I said, try it with your teenagers. And he was amazed um, how it changed his relationship with his children who are like 8, 12, and 14. And then he said, I'm going to use this in the plant because if I can see the change in my kids, I know it's going to work in the plant. And and he was a skeptic. And we actually talk about one of his questions in the positive principle in the, in the book about how he began to have different kind of conversations with his children
1: our our tagline here is you know we, we want to help people thrive professionally and personally so we, we don't we we never make any apologies for uh, for for crossing those those boundaries and, and and experiences like that you know when you hear people trying stuff you've done in a business workshop for want of a better word with at home and and they've seen the impact there for me, that's often more, even more exciting uh, than it is in, in the workplace. Um, Jackie and Sherry, thank you so much um, for, for, for joining me and, and, and sharing your, your experiences and your stories and your research with, with our listeners. Anyone who's interested, um, where is the best place to uh, learn more about you?
2: They could go to conversationsworthhaving.today or cwh.today. Uh, we, on, the, on our website, we have um, a, uh, a free conversation toolkit, which is a, has a quick start guide to the practices and a short video, and then a bunch of generative questions that you can use with family as well as in the workplace. Uh, and you can download the preface and the introduction to the book there as well
0: and and David Cooperwriter wrote the introduction so you get an you get an insight of some of the um I'll say the world leaders that he's worked with yep. but also the heart of what this is the, that he talks about as well so he wrote a lovely introduction for us
1: well, that's fantastic. And I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes. But uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope uh, everything is well over stateside and, and we're getting the right side of uh, the past couple of years and, and you and your family and all your people are well too. But thank you very much for thank joining us. Thank you so
2: much for having us. This was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Dan.
1: If you found that conversation worthwhile, as I mentioned, all the links are in the show notes. But I also want to draw your attention to a free webinar that Jackie and Sherry are actually running in November. If you'd like to join them either live or register and get the recording, then you'll see the link there in the show notes to register for the conversations worth having webinar. As we often say, If you found that worthwhile, there's a fair chance somebody else might find it worthwhile. So please, if you get the opportunity, share this as far and as wide in your network as you can. Don't forget to like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and leave a message or a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget the Habits of Leadership Academy enrollments are now open for 2022. We would love to have you join us in one of our coaching groups next year. So as a reminder, head over to habitsofleadership.com and click on the Academy page. But until our next episode, thank you so much for joining us. Take care, take it easy.